So we're gonna we're gonna start with um, the teaching tonight and discussion, and then come back to uh, worship at the end. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to First Corinthians chapter twelve. I'm gonna teach uh, week one, and then Cassie's gonna teach next Saturday and uh, finish off this chapter, and um, and then we'll um, Tim Kempner will be with you guys on. Uh, the 2nd of um, July, Cassie and I will be out of town, and he's going to be speaking here on the 2nd, so, and leading worship, so that'll be really cool. I'm excited for Tim to come and be with you guys and his whole, like, crew of, like, 38 people that live <clears throat> at the Kempner household, so, um, just kidding. Um, so, I think tonight, uh, chapter 12 is really, like, the good stuff. We start getting to the good stuff, and... First Corinthians. I mean, all the all the stuff is good stuff, but this is like the more fun stuff, like love and spiritual gifts and like all the really kind of nice stuff. Like it's not where Paul's like crushing them anymore. Like, okay, stop doing this, start doing that. It's not like this kind of rigid strictness that Paul sort of has. Um, it's more of like this kind of heart of God that begins to kind of come out. In chapter 12, and so we're going to be talking a little bit tonight about the giver of good gifts um, and spiritual gifts and what that means for us and how they operate in our midst and how not to get weird with them and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then I think Danae was going to read for me tonight. So we're going to dive into the first 11 verses of this chapter. So God, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together and enjoy each other and just worship you and God every part of what we do tonight when we eat together when we watch a movie together when we sing songs to you when we read the Bible God they're all um, forms of worship and care for one another they're all part of church Um, one is not more valuable than the other but Lord we just pray that that we would connect with you through your word and that we would grow in you more and more each and every day in Jesus name amen so, Danae, would you read in the New Living Translation, first 11 verses? That'd be great. Okay. So. Now to brothers and sisters, regarding the question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us. I don't want you to misunderstand this. You, now, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. No one, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern. Um, he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides what gifts each person should have. Thank you. Um, so tonight we're really going to kind of take this passage like I eat a good piece of chocolate, um, that's piece by piece, and kind of just um, let it be sort of a tasty morsel as we go along and kind of take it verse by verse and just savor it as we kind of go along. At least that's how I eat 
chocolate and also um, cheeses. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing, but it's what I do. So I just savor them. Uh, I'm a carboholic. That's I, you know, admit that. But um, so Paul opens this section by talking about how we're supposed to stay grounded. Um, he says, "Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I do not want you." to misunderstand this. So Paul begins sharing the main topic of this conversation, which is the spiritual gifts and abilities that God um, gives us, and um, the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to living out these gifts in everyday life of followers of believers. Um, And he says that he doesn't want them to be um, uninformed or ignorant. Um, He wants them to be informed and knowledgeable when it comes to these powerful and miraculous signs of God's goodness in our world. He wants to educate them. This is kind of just um, like a spiritual education. It's like uh, Spiritual Gifts 101 with Paul um, tonight and kind of how they operate and all those types of things. Um, And when it comes to these kind of supernatural movements of God, which are really what spiritual gifts are, I really think, I mean, if you had to break it down um, and make it really super simple, I think spiritual gifts are a sign of God's reality and goodness in the world around us. So it's just kind of a physical or um, verbal symbol of the fact that God is alive and well, that he's real, he speaks to us, he shows himself to us, he's not some God in the sky and looks at us like ants and just kind of flicks us around, um, he's somebody who cares for us and he, he intersects our lives in a real way, um, he's not just a God who just, um, that we have to beg for him to do things in us, he, he wants to, he's active in us and so... Um, it's just a sign of God's reality and goodness in our world. And so um, Paul kind of continues his thought as he says, You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along with worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And as we've talked about kind of over and over again, Paul continually brings them back to this place of reminding them that they were once broken and they were far from God. They were pagans with wild living. They did everything under the sun that you could possibly imagine. There was no morality in any way. And that in the midst of that, that Jesus reached into their lives and changed everything about them. That Jesus uh, took them from a place where literally a translation says that they were serving dumb idols or mute idols. Idols that were that were just pieces of stone or or wood or rock or metal or whatever they could come up with that never really spoke to them, that never really did anything in their lives. They were just these almost figments of their imagination that they had created. And so God kind of plucked them out of that situation and he allowed them to be in relationship with him. Um, that, that this is not um, just something where, where Paul is just reminding them about their past, but he's also reminding them about their future, which is Jesus. He's reminding them that the focus Um, The one who deserved all the glory and the focus is Jesus in them. Uh, Again, he reminds them of the redemption that they received by the power of the Holy Spirit as the work in their lives and in their hearts. Um, And that only by the great love of the Spirit of God can any of them, including us, receive the gift of salvation that comes from Jesus. So when we come to know God, this isn't by our own uh, intellect. This isn't by our own ability. We can't understand God to the point where we believe in Him. Right? Scripture talks about this this element of faith that we have to have, right? If we could totally understand God, our our minds would be, I I think we would explode. I think our brains would literally blow up. But there's this element of faith that we have to have combined with our knowledge and understanding of God. And 
And Paul actually says that without the Holy Spirit, there's no way that we could have come to know Jesus. And so there's always that working in us. I think that's so cool when I think about it is that even those who don't know God in our lives, that the Holy Spirit is still active in them. He's still working. He's working things into their lives. He's, he doesn't live within them, but he's, he's setting things up in their lives so that they can meet Jesus. That there's even these things that we don't see in the spiritual realm that, that God is beginning to do in people, even though they don't even yet know him. He's setting them up. You know, he, he thinks like he's a chess player. He thinks steps ahead of us, right? Because he knows what the final move is going to be. And I think that's so cool. And that we can do nothing but worship and honor and give praise to the King who saved us and rescued us. That we become eternally grateful to the Lord for the spiritual gift, the miraculous love that Jesus has for us. That we're eternally grateful. I just, man, I don't think I think about it enough about how amazing it is that I know God, right? It's so easy in our lives to just get consumed with everything else that's going wrong or the things, the mistakes that we make or the things that, that are just going on all around us and, and, and not be reminded that, that we should have this gratefulness, this thankfulness to God for what he's done in us. Um, and over and over again, Paul reminds the church that their solid ground and their firm foundation for living comes from relationship with Jesus. I'm reminded of the passage in in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, where it says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. Right? So when we come to know Jesus for the first time in our lives, we, we haven't built our lives on quicksand. We've built ourselves on something that's firm and solid. I was just reading an article in the, in the um, newspaper um, this morning about the fact that there's these places in Stockton where the... Um, they have water so close to them that they're going to have to begin building them on stilts because they don't have high enough levees. And so it just reminds me of just that, that the power of just the things, not just obviously in, this, in the natural world, it's water, right? That, that can, or wind or tornadoes or whatever that can tear something to shreds. But if we build ourselves on a, on a solid foundation, any storm that will come our way will never shake us or tear us apart. We can know that we're going we're gonna to be okay when we build our lives on the Lord. And so I think my struggle um, often can be, even as somebody who grew up in the church and knows all the right stories and the ways to live, I've, I mean, I've seen the flannel graphs and the whole big thing as I was a kid and watched all the veggie tales and all that stuff, right? But it can be easy in my life um, to, to lose that fact that, that my foundation is built on Jesus. I can begin, even, even though I know God, to, to build my foundation on other things, mm-hmm. on my career, on the money that I have in the bank, on relationships, on my marriage, all these other things that are good, but they're not solid, mm-hmm. right? Jesus is the only solid thing. And I wonder for us, if I'm not the only one who feels that way sometimes, where we just, we don't even notice it. It's just something that kind of creeps into us and we begin to kind of put our, all of our ducks in these rows and, and, and God's not necessarily even a part of it. And, um, and so it's good for me to, to remind myself and be grateful, um, not losing sight of Jesus in the midst of things that, that I face in life. And so um, then Paul kind of goes on and he talks about um, the source, um, which we know is Jesus. He says, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. The God works in different ways, but is the same God who does work in all of us. And so Paul acknowledges um, spiritual gifts and abilities again. He does certainly does not minimize them in any way, but reminds the church where the power and love comes from, right? 
I'm reminded of, of something I've heard in church over and over again, is that we, we don't seek the hands of God, we seek the face of God, right? And so oftentimes, it can be tempting to us to just say, God, I need you to do this, 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 and this, right? And even when we get really spiritual, God, I really want you to heal this person. I really want you to give this person a job. I really want you to reach this person, right? And those are not bad things in any way, but, but sometimes we, we seek the gifts and we don't seek the giver of the gifts. We seek, God, I want, I want, I want, I want from you, but we don't actually say, God, I, what I really want is I want you. And whatever you want to do in the midst of this, I'm okay with that, right? And so um, Paul is reminding them that, that it's about the giver and not the gifts, right? That we shouldn't worship the gifts. We shouldn't worship healing. We shouldn't worship um, miraculous signs and wonders. We shouldn't worship prophecy. We should worship the giver, right? There's, there's times when Paul goes, he goes to this island and, and he's, he gets bit by a snake. And you guys might be familiar with this story. And he, and he doesn't swell up and die, which is unusual. And then he starts doing all of these miracles, and they bring him all of these, these people who are sick, and they begin to get healed, and they begin to worship Paul. And he says, no, 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 that's, that's not how, I'm, I'm just the, the conduit. I'm just the one doing it. The giver is Jesus. And he reminds them that it's not about worshiping the gifts, or even the one who, who operates in the gifts. It's the one who gives the gifts that we should worship, right? And so... Um, probably many of you guys, if you've been Pentecostal or charismatic for any more than five minutes, um, have watched the TV program or heard a strange Christian leader on the radio. Um, we've seen the abuses of the gifts that Paul's talking about. Um, I grew up in a great church, but I saw some weird stuff um, over the course of time. Um, I've seen um, people in their misguided piety and humanity um, operating the gifts. I've seen... Um, pastors take advantage of people by fake miraculous or paranormal signs um, for their own personal gain. Um, but I've also seen friends in church ministry who are um, totally averse to the gifts. They see them as old school, or they're too weird, or they're too different, or they're for a different day and time. So I've seen weirdos on one side and then other people who don't want any part of the gifts at all. And, and like anything in Scripture and anything with, with Paul and with Jesus, I feel like there's always a middle road um, that God has given us these amazing gifts and, and miraculous signs um, for a reason, but that we should operate in them in order. And, and that's a little bit more of what Paul talks about in the next section of this passage is how to operate in order. But I love this um, quote by Chuck Smith, and I have it on the screen behind me. And Chuck Smith, is a, he was the founder of... Um, of Calvary Chapel, and he actually was a former Foursquare pastor, and he passed away a couple years ago, but super um, smart guy. And he says, within the Pentecostal churches, there's a lot of abuse of the gifts of the Spirit, because people are ignorant of their true operation within the church. On the other side of the fence, among some of the fundamental churches, there's a lot of ignorance of the gifts of the Spirit as they dismiss them to another age and do not see any validity in them today. So where Paul says, I would not have you be ignorant, sad but true, there's a great deal of ignorance today. And he's talking about when it comes to the spiritual gifts. And so um, I think it's time in our lives to remove any ignorance and to replace it with balance. We replace it with this tension between um, the supernatural and also operating in order. And, um, and I think that's how Jesus would operate. And so, um, again, Paul says at the core of this letter, these spiritual gifts and abilities come from the Lord and that we choose to serve God in that. Um, the NIV says that, that he distributes them as he sees need. 
the, new, the King James Version, which I love in this passage, and I have this one as well, says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration or action, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but is the same God, which worketh all in all. And so there's, the, there's a wide variety of gifts, and we're going to talk about nine different gifts that Paul talks about. But, um, but it's God who is the one who's the source of all of them, and he gives them out as he sees need. Right? It's not about me. I, I, don't, I don't want to call myself a prophet or a healer or any of these other things or a um, speaker of tongues or something like that. I think that's really strange because it's not about me. It's about God. And he gives them as he sees need. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But um, I love the gifts. They're so awesomely unique and they operate so differently. They're powerful yet gentle. They're loving yet challenging. They're awe-inspiring, yet mind-blowing at the same time. There's so many things where it's like, where you know that God's moving, and it's, sometimes it's hard to understand. It's like, I didn't even know God could work that way. It's like outside of my human capacity to understand it. But in the midst of that, it's not weird either. There's an order to it. And so there's this kind of talent, this balance and tension that exists. And all of them come from the same spirit, which is Jesus. He's the giver of the gifts. And and part three kind of this passage in verse seven is, is really talking about building up. And so Paul lays out the reasons and explains why we have these gifts. He says a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other, right? So wow, it's as simple as that. The spiritual gifts were given to build up his church and to help one another in Christ. The King James Version said that they were given to profit every man. The NIV says that they were given for the common good. And so these gifts are not poured out by God for the gain of a single man or woman. They're not poured out for the profit of one person, for anyone to get wealthy or rich or famous. They are not supplied for the sake of the spectacular in itself so that we can just say, oh, this amazing miracle happened, right? They are here um, not for us to ignore or put in a box, um, but instead these gifts are given for the building up of the church, for the building up of people, for the encouragement, for the loving of people. And for the common good of all, they are lavished on us to show more of the goodness and love of Jesus. Like anything that God does, they're all everything he does is given to point us back to him. To point us to true north, which is Christ. To point us to this firm foundation. Not to say, oh, that person's so amazing because they're operating in these gifts. You know, they're this great prophet or they're this great healer or whatever it is. It's not about the person. It's always about God. And so, Paul kind of comes back and... I. I can just, you know, give you a heads up. I'm not going to describe these gifts in any sort of, like, deep detail. I don't feel like I'm any sort of um, expert on the gifts and what they mean. Honestly, I read them and sometimes I'm perplexed um, on what that means. But I'm going to give you kind of my thoughts in the research that I've done and, and reading other people's um, stuff. So, he says, To one person the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another the same Spirit gives the message of spirit, special knowledge. To the same spirit, he gives great faith, and to another. Uh, and someone else, he gives the spirit of the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. There's lots of spirits in there. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages or tongues, and then, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. So Paul lays out nine separate spiritual gifts that are given from the Holy Spirit. And there are other gifts. 
where they talk about there's gifts of the Holy Spirit, there's gifts of the Father, and there's gifts of the Son. There's different gifts that we're talking about. We're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit here. And so wisdom, um, to me, this is something that helps bring people together. It settles squabbles. It reveals answers to incredibly challenging situations. It creates a path where no one is present. So to me, um, the gift of wisdom really is just um, the ability to, to know what to do, even though it doesn't seem like we should know what to do. And again, this is not by our own strength, our own ability, or that this one person has a spirit of wisdom. I think that these operate in all of us at different times of our life, where we can see a path where it doesn't seem like there is one, because God is showing us the way. Mm-hmm. Knowledge um, is knowing something about someone or something that they didn't tell you about, that you shouldn't know. You just know because God told you. Um, and I don't know if you've ever, I, I've had this experience where I just feel like I'm hearing from the Lord about someone, and it's like, God, are you, are you sure? Like, it's like you know something about their state of their heart or the state of their mind or kind of where their situation is at, and you shouldn't know this. But God just shows it to you, so that not so that you can rub it in their face and say, oh, I know that you're struggling with this, but no, so that we can encourage one another and help one another. The gift of faith, um, this is a supernatural ability to believe that God has a way where there apparently is no way. That there is, this is not a stubbornness, but a godly belief that God is greater, bigger, and stronger than the darkness of this world. This is not a bury your head in the sand and just cross your fingers and hope for the best. Um, this is just believing that, that God is bigger and stronger and more powerful than whatever it is that we're facing, right? Um, this doesn't throw out all logic and just say, well, I have faith, so I'm just going to believe that God's going to do whatever, because that can be, again, we, we can have a tension to go one way or the other, but this is just... You just know that God is up to something even though it doesn't seem like it. Um, miracles, I think ditto um, for miracles. God uses you to accomplish the impossible. Um, I don't really know what this means. Somebody has miracles. I don't, I don't feel like that's me. Um, but I, but it, it's just something that's pretty cool. Um, prophecy, this one's a little harder to nail down, but I think this is the ability to hear God for the future. You are not a fortune teller, but someone who has God-given vision for what's ahead in a world of uncertainty. And so, um, you know, we live in a world that's full of uncertainty in every area of our lives. I think it's, it's probably greater now than it's ever been in human history with our financial system and the place it's at, our political system, the world around us, and the violence that we see. And I mean, just, I talked to parents even today, um, you know, that say, man, Things have changed so much in the last, even 15 years, since Cassie and I were growing up as kids where we could play in the street and go to the park and not feel like someone was going to take us or hurt us or do something weird to us, right? Um, and we just see that we're in a world of uncertainty. And, and in the midst of this, I think people who have, um, who God uses in the gift of prophecy are able to, to give us a vision that where God is taking us and leading us as people and as the body of Christ. Um, but again, it's not a fortune teller. Um, it's not like I see your palm on your hand and you have, you know, a slight crease to the right and so you must be this way. You know, it's not one of those things. Um, discerning of spirits. This is the ability to see a spiritual world, um, spiritual and a physical world. Um, this is a gift of seeing people and things for what they really are. This is not something that I operate in in any sort of capacity. This is, Cassie is much um, more attuned to spiritual things, but it's just, Sometimes you meet somebody and you can just tell that there's something dark in them. It doesn't mean they're possessed, but there's just, there's just something weird there. Um, or you can meet someone and you just feel like 
God's within them. There's just these different situations where you can walk down the street and, and you can just realize like, ah, I think I need to leave. I just, there's something strange about this situation. That's kind of an example of kind of discerning spirits. Um, tongues, this is a little tricky too, but it's the ability to hear a message from the Lord. Um, not just our prayer language, that's a separate kind of um, conversation. Um, but in a Holy Spirit language and share it with the body. I haven't seen this operate a whole lot. Um, once or twice as a kid, I saw someone who had a tongue and they came up in front of the church and they shared it. And it was like, well, that's kind of weird. And then uh, the second gift that comes behind that is interpretation, where somebody takes this kind of what seems like a gibberish language to us and they're like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, I know what God's saying to the congregation. So they come up behind the person with the tongue and they, they say, well, this is what this means in English or Chinese or whatever language you're supposed to be speaking in at that time. And they kind of make sense of what God is saying to his people through a tongue. Um, and so these are not scary, strange, or weird, but instead they are just tools um, that the Lord gives uh, to his people for the common good to help one another. I know that in no way I've exhausted the depths of the conversation on spiritual gifts, but neither did Paul. Um, he actually gave less um, explanation than I did. He just said, here's the nine gifts. All right, you guys good now? Like, and, uh, but the point was not the gifts or ability, but instead the giver of the gifts, which is the Holy Spirit of God. And the point of the abilities is to bless people for the common good. Because God is always about honoring, loving, and caring for the community of faith. He's not about, you know, we talked about a bunch of times, about he's not about popping people up or giving people big heads. Instead, he's about loving people and, and showing them how to love one another better. And I think that these gifts, when we operate them, when, when God uses us in these areas, that, that we're able to love each other better. We're able to speak things that maybe our, our humanity can't speak, that God begins to give us things and abilities and talents to to be able to love people in new ways. Um, so Paul kind of leaves this discussion with a beautiful passage, as it says in this last verse. It says, It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gifts each person should have. And so, um, and actually, honestly, I like how it says it in the NIV better. It says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. And so again, Paul reminds us, it is never about the gift, and it is always about the power and the love of the giver. It's not about even us. It's all about how God might want to work through us. And so like anything else with God, these spiritual gifts are not something that we earn or deserve. We just open ourselves up to the giver, and he gives us as he sees need. And so I think that if there's anything that I could kind of um, lay on you tonight is just to open yourselves up to being used by God in whatever way he wants to use you. Sometimes we can get in our head that, that I, God uses me this way, or God uses me with these people, or God speaks to me this way. And I think this passage reminds us that God is beyond whatever we think. He's beyond however we operate. He's beyond our minds and our ability to reason. That God can use us in all these different ways if we're just tuned into His Spirit and we're available to be used by God. Um, and remind ourselves that as long as we stay in humility, that God is the one who gets all the glory in the midst of it. And so I'm reminded of this, and many of you have probably heard this story, but um, just an opportunity where God used me. Cassie and I were in a uh, young adults ministry, like maybe eight, seven or eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago, no, I don't know, it was a long time ago, and we have these friends, Chris and Tanya Bush, who um, are at New Hope, and since this time, Chris has had an accident, and he's 
wheelchair bound, but at the time they were, they were trying, we didn't know this, they were trying to have a baby. I had no idea. I didn't even know that they were trying or anything, but I felt like God gave me a word for them. And I was like, okay, God, like, uh, I'm not sure. Like, this was kind of on the edge. It was more than just like, hey, God loves you and cares about you. Like, you're pretty safe with that one, no matter if you get that one wrong or not. Like, you know, it's not like God, God thinks you're great, you know, like. But I, God, I felt like God told me that they were going to have a, they were going to have a baby. I didn't know at all that they were trying, like not at all. And um, I, I was like, okay, God, if you want me to share this, I will. And so I did. And they, they like were both in tears because they had been trying to have a baby and they couldn't. They had had some miscarriages and some issues that had gone on. And then not even a year later, they had their first son, Christopher. It was so cool. And then they had their second son, Camden, about a year after that. It was just so amazing. And it wasn't about, it wasn't about me. I didn't have some special ability or knowledge. It was about God. And that God wanted to love them and bless them in the midst of what they were facing. He wanted to give them hope where there wasn't any. He wanted to give them faith where they didn't have it. Where they had just kind of given up and thrown in the towel. And it was so cool because it was like, okay God, like you have to come through on this because I'm stepping out there. And if they can't have a kid, they're going to come back to me and say, why did you say that to me? You know? Um, I was just being obedient and God was speaking. It was really amazing. And now they have these two great boys. They're just awesome. And they're, they really are promises and gifts from God. Um, and now they can tell their boys like, like the amazing story that God told us we were going to have you. And um, it just was really cool. So um, we're going to kind of finish with some discussion and then we'll come back to um, worship here. But uh, let me 